What is up, everybody? This is Ryan here with Scale Up Show. I have a special guest on today. I have Aaron Schoenberger. He is the founder and CEO of Soteria Intelligence. This man has a patent on deep learning based on social monitoring off of social media. Really wild stuff that he's been doing. He's been in the AI space for over five years now and is is really, really unlocks and uncovers what's possible right now, which will open up your eyes to how you can deploy AI in your business and look at things a little bit differently and what's out there. So you're not going to want to miss this super timely with the AI explosion. Check it out. How do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to the Scale Up Show. This is your host, Ryan Staley, and I have a very special guest with me today. I have Aaron Schonenberger. He has extensive experience guiding businesses ranging from billion-dollar celebrity brands to Fortune 100 companies. He is the founder and CEO of Soterra Intelligence, which has also been featured by the BBC, NPR, and Guardian. And he also has a patent on deep learning based on social monitoring. He even serves as an expert witness in court for specific issues regarding social media and its authenticity. Aaron, welcome. Happy to have you on the show, man. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, dude. Um, I'm excited because, you know, even what we talked about on the pre-show, a little bit about some of the things that you're working on and where we're going. But but before we get too deep into that, let's do a real quick revenue rundown so we can understand what stage of the journey you're at and what you're working on. So where are you guys at in terms of your ARR? What's something that, you know, we... We're growing quickly, and some of those numbers we we don't really, really want to share right now, only because we're in talks with various investors. And you know, we're really fortunate in the sense that um, we've primarily been self-funded and grown really quickly um, and bootstrapped. And at this point, you know, we're really looking to the next stages. Um, so we see things uh, mid to to late 2023 really making some moves in that area. So some of the numbers, and also uh, due to competitors, we're you know we try to keep close to the chest, but there'll be announcements soon that really share more about those things when those rounds happen. Okay, well, congrats on the progress, and and no worries, totally get that. Thank What's you. your primary revenue growth go to market strategy that you leverage for your business? We we focus a lot on inbound, so we look at how to be content creators how to focus on using social media, uh, search engines, ranking well in Google, um, and just getting out there and being thought leaders where we're able to spread the message and really discuss where things are going in the future. And that fortunately for us has led to a lot of inbound interest, a lot of publicity. Um, so a lot of our growth has been based on inbound. And more recently, we've really started to, to focus more on outbound to educate and tap into markets um, that really aren't as savvy in AI right now or the solutions that we provide, but could use the solutions that we have to make a big impact in their businesses. Okay. So like what, what industries would you classify those as or which ones are the ones that you think? Some of the biggest are really the financial industry. Um, Mm -hmm. We look at the security space. Uh, It's really one of the places we started Um, as well as logistics, right? The the food industry is a great example as well. Um, I myself am a big foodie. And when you look at, Nowadays, the food industry being heavily driven by social media, keeping tabs um, and understanding what's happening in the moment in that industry uh, is, is a really critical thing from a food safety perspective to uh, marketing and everything you can imagine. 
And also one of the newest spaces we're seeing is, is really the customer experience space. So how can you tap into people in the moment where uh, they're in a restaurant or they're about to buy a product uh, at the market and they're, uh, what's influencing them? So those are things. Okay. I love that, man. We're going to have to revisit that later because that's something I'm, I'm deeply passionate on the uh, B2B side about the customer experience and then tapping into those moments. So let's Absolutely. circle back once we're done with this. And I'd be curious to hear what you're working on there. So then how big is your team? And then, you know, can you describe your solution in, in a couple sentences? Yeah, of course. Um, so our team, we've kept it since the beginning fairly small. So we're just over 10. Um, there's a few of us that have known each other for many years that uh, came together and put the building blocks of the company together. Then we brought on a really great board um, and other members of the team to make sure that we're always staying ahead of the curve. Um, but we've tried to scale intelligently um, and not too quickly and do things in a very agile kind of special forces way. And that's been beneficial for us. Excellent, man. So you're very, are you bootstrapped? It sounds like you have a bootstrap mentality. Very much bootstrapped. Yeah. When I had this idea to start the company many years ago, I decided that um, it was great guiding large companies and, and working on very big projects that paid well financially, but I wasn't making a difference in the world. I wasn't doing things that uh, could really push the needle that I would feel good about. Um, so that's really what led to our solution, which is essentially, if you think about it, like an ecosystem. If you go to the aquarium and you see underwater all the fish and the colors and the movements of everything, um, imagine putting data together in an ecosystem where you could understand everything happening, all the sights, the sounds, everything happening from social, from other types of data, um, all put into one hub that's able to be analyzed using deep learning and to have the human in the loop element where if something isn't correct in the software, as a human, you could say, well, instead of taking this piece of, you know, this alert and putting it in the trash, we're going to put this in the recycle bin and we're going to continue to train models to become more intelligent over time. So that's really what our solution is, is um, to give actionable intelligence to organizations and to do it in a way where they have the ability to make the results better and better over time. I love that, man. So, so what kind of actionable insights do you create? Can you get a little bit more specific on absolutely. how that works and then the business outcomes it creates? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we worked with a really large uh, ticket company. And imagine if there's a big celebrity that's having a concert and people are on Twitter saying, who has tickets for sale for this concert versus someone saying, I have tickets for sale for this concert. If you're a large ticket company that's selling tickets and you're able to filter through the people that actually want to buy tickets in the moment, you could engage them in a way that uh, could drive revenue very quickly because you've identified the propensity to buy. So that would be one element. Um, another element would be if you look at the security space, uh, the difference, let's say, for schools. This has been a big issue for many years. Students could go on Twitter or have been many times on Twitter saying, I'm going to shoot up the school. And no one catches it in time. And the next day, they go shoot up the school. But what's the difference between in, linguistically, just looking at keywords, that or I'm going to shoot hoops at school? Think about the same thing as I'm going to kill people at school or I'm going to kill time after school. If you're just looking at school and kill, school, shoot, those types of uh, keyword matches, which is where a lot of the tools on the market for many, many years have been built on, that's going to produce a lot of false positives and negatives. So you're not able to actionably you know, get that data that you need in the moment to make a difference. So those are just two examples right there on different ends of the spectrum. 
Oh yeah, totally different ends of the spectrum. And I, I mean, I think those are great. So is it just on the B2C side? I mean, schools obviously, I don't know if it's B2B to nonprofit or whatever, but like what what sector are you more heavily focused on? Is it B2B? It's very much B2C? B2B. Yeah, okay. um, mainly enterprise B2B. Uh, B2C just isn't the right fit for us because of the um, because of the solutions that we have and how powerful they are, but also in being powerful and development we've done in the investments, we have to, you know, charge a certain price point. So the B2C solutions just aren't something that are that interesting for us, but also we see the biggest uh, need for this in the enterprise space. Okay. And well, that's what I was going to say. Where do you see the biggest opportunity or the, the biggest white space in this area, specifically on the enterprise side? Cause I like, I have an extensive background on the enterprise side. So I'm curious. You, you do. You definitely do. Um, and look at your background; it's impressive. Um, oh, you know, on, you're welcome. On, on the enterprise side, it's the financial space is huge. When you look at what happened recently with Silicon Valley Bank, um, and a lot of news sites have have slated it as you know the first bank run that's been driven by social media, and it's really no different than the GameStop short squeeze, where um, you know people rallied together and they were able to to essentially win in the end. Um, so. The financial industry is, is a very, very big opportunity for us, um, as well as the security space when it comes to what I mentioned about schools, let's say, but also um, information and misinformation. You know, something that's uh, misinformation and disinformation, I should say. So there's things that could be and have been said online that um, have created issues for corporations and for other types of organizations and uh, and just the country as a whole. So it's really interesting. Okay. Excellent, man. So like, but like, how does it work? It, I mean, like AI machine learning is based all over the place. So you have a patent on it. What's your patent like specifically do, right? And then like, how does it work? Like, and explain it to me, uh, you know, we'll use a, a chat GPT prompt. Explain it to me like I'm a, a 12 year old, right? Yeah. Um, and walk us through it so we don't get too deep into the tactical beads. Yeah, so really... Starting in the social media space many years ago and being one of the first beta users of, of, of the first tools, um, I realized that in working with massive amounts of data, just looking at the keyword matches just is not going to work. There's no way that for a global organization, you're going to be able to look at uh, millions of conversations and make sense of them. So number one, it's looking at the linguistics of what's being said um, and being able to train deep learning models uh, to understand those specific linguistics based on certain focuses. So in understanding that, the linguistical side of things, then there's the location side. Then there's the instance you know, of when this is occurring and why. So somebody that's tweeting or posting on Instagram at 4 a.m. that seems like they're having a bad day uh, might really be having a bad day and they can't sleep versus someone doing the same thing at 4, you know, let's say 4 p.m. versus 4 a.m. just behaviorally maybe they're just bored at work and they're just posting. So when you look at the behaviors on a, on a very large scale, you could start to look at those multimodal elements and fuse them together to produce the end results. So that's what we will be really, really were, uh, you know, aimed at doing and developing our software and what the patent covers is a multimodal approach to understanding social media, as well as all sorts of other data sources, um, that are fused together by deep learning. And once there are results to have the human in the loop element where the human could say, okay, well, actually this doesn't mean this, this means this. So someone saying, 
this pizza tastes like shit, it doesn't mean it tastes like shit. It means that this particular pizza, maybe um, it, it might be, is the shit. So things like that on a large scale could skew marketing campaigns, all sorts of stuff. So all of linguistics are a key part of our patent and the multimodal approach to not just fusing social, but all sorts of data from um, television, from radio, from you know financial data, anything that uh, we think is valuable for projects, we could plug in in a plug and play kind of manner and be able to to integrate that data and produce actionable results based on on the totality of everything. That's amazing, man. How I mean, so you, uh, you kind of answered one of my questions. So you're saying a lot of areas. You said television. You, did you say radio too? Did radio you say as well. Radio? Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I take it. Um, and then you said social. I assume internet as well. Just anything yes. that's basically anything news, that's anything that's that's you know anything related to news, anything related to TV, radio, um, even internal you know data from from companies. Imagine the amount of customer service inquiries that could come in uh, if you're a global food chain, let's say, about a particular issue that also at the same time might be showing its you know uh, rearing its ugly head on 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 Twitter and on Instagram and on Reddit. So all of these things fused together, it gives you a holistic approach, understanding, you know, and then, then, you know, you can drive that approach um, after the fact. Yeah. I, so this is a while back, but I, I think maybe about a year ago, I had a guest on and she was talking about financial services industry and how there was, I think, 3 billion or 4 billion customer support tickets placed annually. Yeah. Uh, most of them being complaints, right? Because <laughs> they're not, they're not getting service specifically by the big banks. Yep. Um, which I've personally run into that too before. Uh, not going to throw anyone under the bus, but it has <laughs> happened, right? So oh, yeah. I, I guess like, do you also, does it also have the capability to look at like Reddit forums or like it does, communities yeah. at all that are open or how, how does that work? It does. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's where we saw the GameStop, you know, short squeeze happening because of that subreddit. So we, we were pulling in the data and, and understanding, okay, this is exactly what's happening. And then it bled over to Twitter and then things started to really take off. So there's, and there's, you know, when you look at behaviorally, there's certain types of people that post on certain types of sites. So as a foodie, you know, Instagram clearly is way more appealing than Twitter, for example. Yeah. Right. Um, so there's, there's different sources of data that uh, we find valuable for certain reasons. Okay, so then you basically take like, you know, like let's say for example B two B, right? You would look at, and I'm just throwing this out there, not not food, but let's just say B two B software, right? Those would probably be like Twitter and LinkedIn, maybe some Reddit communities. Other right. communities could be like key sources, and then other areas that are are heavy, heavy, heavy on that type of content. Would that be like your key source areas you look at, and then kind of Correct. take it from there? Yep. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, that's fantastic, man. Hello, this is Ryan here. Real quick, if you are enjoying this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a comment or review. If you want more help or just want to learn more about what the top SaaS CEOs and founders are doing, check out my website at www.ryanstaley.io. Join my newsletter, check out other free content resources I have there, and let me know if you want to scale your business. Now back to the episode.
let's shift gears a little bit. And you mentioned like looking at it from the customer experience perspective and acting in that moment, because I'm a firm believer in that too. We are emotional creatures, right? No matter which way you look at it. Uh, and what I've seen personally, just in my interactions is that you could ask, it's, it's kind of, here, this is the analogy I'd use, right? Whether you're married or not. Um, this is what I've told people before. And like, it'd be like, when I was younger, my kids were younger, right? I'm, I'm married, right? Um, let's say I go on a trip with my, I'm gone for the weekend in Vegas, right? And I live in Chicago, right? So I'm, my wife's taking care of the kids all weekend, right? Like she's absolutely exhausted, needs to like tag out when I get home Monday morning or whatever. And then when I get home Monday morning, I'm like, hey, honey, um, great news. I'm going back to Vegas next weekend. And she'd be like ready to punch me. It's the exact yep. opposite of that, right? Hitting the sweet exactly. spot or the emotional peak of that. So it, is that kind of like what you're referring to when you try and tap into the buying experience when they're in the opposite of the Ryan just got back from Vegas approach or, or how is that? 100%. Yeah, no, you're spot on. Um, imagine if you are traveling with your family and your flight was delayed because of weather or whatever happened. Um, True story. And it happens, <laughs> you know, all the time. Um, and let's say you're in the airport and you're just really frustrated with that particular airline and you send out a tweet and you're like, gosh, I'm stuck here. My family's stuck. We have no way out. And some magical hotel chain in, engages you right away and says, hey, you know what? We got a, a, we're across the street. We have a location. Come by. We'll give you half off or even a free room. Come stay with us. Don't worry about it. I bet you that for the rest of your life, you're always going to remember that. And you'd probably want to stay at that hotel over others, even if it costs more in the future. So if you have an extra room that is, isn't booked already, and it's just going to sit there empty, why not? Why not engage people and build lifelong you know, uh, relationships that generate a lot more revenue in the future? So that's just one example. That's fantastic, man. I think that's a, a great example and highly applicable. So how are you leveraging this personally to grow your business then? We're leveraging this personally to see the insights that are that are happening, like the Silicon Valley, you know, issue that that recently popped up, on um, being able to identify opportunities for us, um, other let's say financial institutions that uh, might run into similar issues in the near future. Um, so that's a way that we could use our team to reach out to them, show the solutions that we have, um, and on the flip side, using it for content and and sharing content around our research. That's then driving inbound interest uh, for organizations that know that they have these problems and are proactively looking for solutions. And unfortunately, they end up coming across our site many times. Well, let's let's talk about that, right? So that, I think that's great. So you, you have this; it's triggering a lot of inbound. Like, what what's your framework or formula for leveraging it to create an inbound machine of customers that are asking to use you guys? That's a great question. And we got really lucky in the sense, I don't know if it's luck or if it's the foresight, but uh, you know, I've studied Google search algorithms and everything around Google for many years, 20 years. And recently they, they really got more and more into AI with their, their mom algorithm, which is essentially a multimodal approach to how they display Google search results. Mm -hmm. So that multimodal approach fuses language, audio, video, and other factors. What's really interesting is the patent that we got is a multimodal approach 
to solving many of these problems. And in getting the patent, we had to overcome over five of Google's patents in a similar area. Wow. So we filed the provisional in 2017, 18, um, got it issued early 20, I think it was 2021. Um, so for us, it's really exciting in the sense that, okay, Google's validated exactly the approach that we outlined five, four or five years before they released this new really major algorithm change. So what we're doing is using our research and using our software to go be the content curators, but then in understanding how the algorithms work, being able to to rank well in Google for the things that we're targeting to drive that inbound interest. Okay. So you basically look at the signals for what's hot or what's trending, and then you write content around it, coupled with SEO uh, magic that you leverage, right? That's one way to put it. Yes. <laughs> and that's something that all businesses, you know, should be looking at is, you know, how do you take a multimodal approach to the business? There's the outbound, you know, the, focusing on sales. Um, and then there's the inbound too. And and even creating content and positioning yourself to be better at the outbound sales by having that that authenticity and, and, and data to back you up. Oh, yeah, definitely. All right. So let me ask you this. Let's shift gears a little bit. What what would you say is the single biggest challenge in growing your business right now that you're running into? It's a great question. The single biggest challenge, I'll say where we when we started up until now, the first challenge was nobody really knew what AI was when we launched this. It, it was like a pie in the sky. It's like a fairy tale. It's in movies. Um, and when I came out and said, look, we need to do this, this, and this to fix these problems, people at first thought it was crazy. And, and that's because there weren't solutions like that. But then people started to use, let's say, Netflix like crazy. But they don't realize that a vast majority, one study from, from Chase years ago showed that like 90% of the activity on Netflix comes from the recommendation system. Well, people aren't didn't realize that when you click to watch something, they're learning from your activities in doing that. And they can therefore recommend better and better content to you. Same thing with YouTube, same thing with, you know, how algorithms work on Instagram and TikTok and everything nowadays. So initially it was people were thinking, well, of all the companies out there, how are you going to be able to develop this and do this? It sounds like a fairy tale. Fast forward, when we really, really started to, to gain traction and build the software, we're, we're in the process of getting the patent and everything. One of the challenges was other companies coming out, let's say various competitors, simply changing their website saying that they do AI. Like, okay, well, it's, it's easy to change the hero image on your site and say, oh, we're an AI company now mm -hmm. without any technology and a legacy software that hasn't changed in 10 years. So how did you flip the switch? But now you're an AI company. So that's one of the challenges is, you know, educating the masses and, and demonstrably, you know, showing this, how the solutions um, add value. So that's that's really what what we've run into. But also nowadays with Chat GPT, it's probably one of the best things that could happen to us because now the masses understand AI and the masses are interested in AI. Yeah. So you you would say it's cutting through the noise basically in terms of like all the lookalikes, the AI lookalike, Correct. if you will, with kind of what you guys are doing. Yes, it's the same thing as like the greenwashing. You know, years ago when everyone was. A, probably 15 years ago when everyone started to say we're a natural company, we're an organic company. And then there, all the regulations were established where what's actually certified organic because you can't just go out there and say it. So that is similar to what we've seen happen in the industry in the tech world over the past five years where a lot of VCs that we've guided and, and friends of mine that are VCs have said, 
probably one out of every, this is a couple of years ago, so I don't know the numbers now, but one out of every maybe 20, 30 companies that come in with the AI solution are actually doing something AI. So they're, they're, that they've developed and they're, they're pioneering something versus kind of popping things together. Okay. Yeah. I heard there's supposed to be 17,000 AI companies released this year or basically brought into an existence I'm this sure. year alone. So, I'm sure. which is pretty wild. So in light of that, what, what do you see as the future coming up with AI over the next year or two? I see chat GPT being a really interesting thing because um, there's going to be a lot that it could do that won't cause issues. I could see writing papers for school, companies thinking that they could just pop a topic in a chat GPT and now we don't need a blogger. You know, All we need is just to pop something in, copy, paste, everything's going to work. So I see that there are a lot of opportunities to use chat GPT and other forms of AI in a vast majority of ways. But then there's going to be a new breed of businesses that come up that are focused on countering that. So how do we identify what's generated by AI for all sorts of issues? You know, it, it, it could be for the good and for the bad. Okay. Um, so I see that being something in the very near future that's going to be a big area to watch. That's true. So like authentication and authenticity yes. because of the... I mean, I, I was I was watching a like a, a private, so I had access to like a private live stream, and the uh, CEO of Stability was was on there, Stability, uh, which is Stable Diffusion, and he's like, he's like, you, everyone is going to have access, whether you're connected to the internet or not, to GPT, yeah. whatever version it is, in sixteen to eighteen months, um, on yeah. your phone, like yeah. it's going to be that disconnected and accessible, I should say. It is. And I'm very excited about how the APIs are going to be rolled out in the future and how enterprises can use it in a variety of ways. You know, But having that API access and, and really scaling that on the enterprise side is going to be really exciting. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, I guess we are just about up on time. I got one more question to ask you, and I'm just curious. Yeah, of course. And like, what would you say is, is the single biggest challenge? Maybe it's just not the single biggest challenge, but what would you say is the biggest challenge being a CEO? That's a really good question. One of the biggest challenges in being a CEO um, is guiding your team in a way where you inspire them and you excite them versus getting down on them. So I remember years ago, I worked for the Olsen twins for a few years and uh, the CEO there at the time, Robert Thorne, who really, Robert Thorne and Greg were the ones that really built the whole entire empire for the Olsen twins. Oh, really? And you think about them on full house, no one really knows. They were doing billions of dollars in sales uh, in retail from their merch that was sold in Walmart, that was oh, really? sold all over the place. Billions of dollars in sales. And no one really knew about that. But the way that Robert ran the ship, it was inspiring for people. They want to do a good job. And it's also quirky and different and cool and fun. You know, I'm the person with my team. It's similar to the, the, the old school jobs video on YouTube where I think it was with Next where he had the small team and they were all in a room together. And whether you're an intern or you're the CEO, everyone has the same voice. So it's not, oh, I'm at this level, so you have to listen to me. It's better to have a team where everyone could speak freely and work together. Um, and as a CEO, I, I, I don't need to make myself feel good by putting others down. I feel good when others bring the whole company up or bring me up. You know, I'll, I'll have talks with people, um, better on my team for hours and it not talks maybe we'll have debates 
But in the end, we'll come to a really good solution where we could both hang up the phone or go, go out of the meeting and say, wow, we really accomplished something as opposed to, gosh, that guy's an ass. I, I, I'm pissed off. I need to go talk. You know, I need to go vent. Uh, you know, we, we're always moving forward. And I think that's something that a lot of companies lack is, is that, that, that real team sense. Yeah. And that, that comes from the top down. That's true, man. That's really true. I, I've been on both sides of the equation with that. And so, yeah, there's, there's definitely different angles. And, I, you know, I, I mean, truth be told, and I shared this at a conference I spoke at last week, is like when I first started, I thought it was the, um, wasn't really the team. I, I, I thought it was very like old school background in terms of like, well, this is the way it is. You deal with it, right? And that, yeah. that didn't work out so good for me, right? <laughs> yeah. It was a learning experience. So I had to learn the hard way. But um, every day is that's life, you know, every single day. It's, and, and that's the thing. If you if you open your eyes and your ears and you adapt to what's going on, as opposed to thinking that, you know, everything and this is I'm set in these ways. I every day I'm learning and doing new things and adjusting and reflecting. It's like, wow, I could have done that better or I should have done this like this. So it's really a continual process. Oh, yeah, I totally agree with you, man. Totally. Agree. That's why I got all these books behind me. I, I have yeah, a pilot I still haven't even gotten to yet, but avid, avid believer of that. So. Uh, Aaron, unfortunately, we are up on time, but where can people pleasure. where can people learn more about you? Where can they find about find out more about you and get in touch with you about what you're doing? Well, thank you. Um, the best way is through our website, uh, soteriaintelligence.com. It's S-O-T-E-R-I-A intelligence.com, and that's where we uh, post a lot of our research. And um, if anybody wants to reach out and to say hello, that's the best way to reach us. Excellent, ma'am. Well, it was a pleasure having you on the show. It was fun. It's been a pleasure. And uh, thanks for being on, man. Of course. Thank you so much. All right. We will see you all on the next episode. Thank you for checking out the Scale Up Show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering in revenue growth so they can flip it and create a life of their own design. So if you enjoyed this show, please like, review, share it on social, and more importantly, just share it with a friend. Share it with someone that you think could learn and benefit from what you heard on today. But the more we get the message out, the more people we could help, the bigger the impact we make, and the bigger the community gets, which helps everybody. So once again, thank you for being a loyal listener. I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.